Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Oh, good morning, everybody. Goodness. Um, yeah, we, uh, um, I, I don't know. It's not a Monday. It's not a Monday. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're here. Yeah. And really glad to be here. Um, it's a it's a uh, it's a cool um, topic we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. And um, we uh, yesterday, um, before we get into announcements, yesterday we spent a little bit of time on our daily walk mm-hmm. and listening to the tote the note broadcast that was done um, on a, a, a it was recorded. Like right. a, few, a couple of weeks, weeks ago, and we've been waiting for it to get through um, the uh, the Tote the Note broadcast with Steve Levine, um, talking about compliance and underwriting. Yeah, and um, so it was really fun to uh, we we listened to the whole thing when we we're on our walk, and we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it's funny when you when you record those things, you don't you don't pick up on how many nuggets there are mm-hmm. until you actually like listen to it again and again and again. And it's, there's so much stuff. So um, do we have any announcements before we kind of. Um, Friday we have um, Jimmy Rambo from Spartan yes. is going to join us to yes. talk about collateral recovery mm-hmm. rate. And then the Friday after that, we have uh, Jeff Martin from NIA. Yeah. Looking joining forward us. to that. For looking sure. forward to that. I saw that he's, um, he's going to be doing some stuff with the car guy, coffee, coffee mm-hmm. guys too. Um, and so, yeah, is that, it looks like that he's enough acclimated right. that it's now time to start getting out there and talking Probably to some that. of the different, different um, mediums to kind of just introduce himself as an executive announcement is that we have uh, BHPH United start Sunday. I'm sure Mr. Mm-hmm. Levine will be there. Yes. And then the NEO Summit on Wednesday. So it's not too late to hop on yeah. a plane and get out there for that stuff on and Sunday. And we have been saying that we're going to be there and we may not. Right. So, um, uh, there, yeah, just some family stuff has come up that the Neo, I, thing she that, the Neo <laughs> part of that, um, I, that, that was really pretty, all that we were planning on attending. Um, uh, cause it's not about vendors. The buyer payer United is, right. it's about dealers and it's about education for dealers. And yeah. so, um, and Hugo says, see y'all in Vegas. See y'all in Vegas. So there's um, a delay apparently. You might not see us in <laughs> Vegas. Hugo, so. So, uh, yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so let me think here. Do I? Um, yeah, I don't think I even need this in here. All right. Now can you hear us? Okay. Welcome, Steve. Yeah. We've only been doing this for a year. We've still figured stuff out. Right. Oh, yeah. Just (laughs) it's, uh, well, it's one of these days we're going to have a, well, maybe I uh, like have a person, a producer, a producer, (laughs) someone that's here and that can go like, Michelle, stop pushing buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Um, so welcome, Steve. We're so grateful that you could join us today and um, uh, talk oh, I'm about I'm so this. excited to be here. Hey. This is 
This is my first morning show. I've been doing this a long time. This is my first morning show, so hey. I feel like I've hit the big time. Yeah, oh, right. That's kind of yeah. Stroking we, egos. Yeah, it's like yeah. we. <laughs> yeah. There's a a, there's a lot of other uh, podcasts out there that yeah. have been there for a long time. It's like so a, it's I'm, kind of a big deal, Steve. Yeah. We're up to like seven or eight listeners now. I know, so yeah, right? <laughs> it's it's fantastic. So, yeah. um, so again, we we spent some time um, yesterday listening and. Oh my goodness. We actually, um, Anna Maria Beck, who digital attention online, who's our fractional marketing director is the one that kind of did some of the work. And so she'd listened to all of it. She's been in the industry for a long time, decades. And she has been hounding us. When are you releasing that? When are you releasing that? When are you releasing that? Because it's good. Mm -hmm. It's got some really great information. And so, um, I know she's baited breath. We told her as soon as we're done with the morning show, we're releasing it. It's actually I take no credit. Uh, Brent, Brent Carmichael was, was the star. He was the brains. I, I, I was else. I think you need to listen to it again. I think so, you need to listen uh, to it again. <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's a smart guy and he asked a lot of great questions, but you're, yeah. what you shared in that was going to be really helpful to dealers. And, and yeah. we have it scheduled to go out at uh, 10 o'clock mountain time. So noon, As, Eastern yeah, about a half an hour after. So it'll be released on YouTube today. Uh -huh. And so Wonderful. people can tune in and find that. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. So you know, it's a ton of good stuff, okay. Stephen. So we, we kind of queued up a couple of um, kind of, there's several kind of high points from that conversation. Start, Let's um, well, first, let me just talk to him a minute about okay. the idea of, um, you know, the big topic of that, uh, was how does a dealer and, and keep in mind, I'm asking these questions partly as a former dealer and somebody who works inside the trenches with dealers often. And so I'm thinking one of the things I love, and I said it inside the tote to note thing is like, one of the things I enjoy about buy here, pay here is the flexibility and creativity piece. Right. And so dealers are out there trying to be independent, create their own business. Yet I am aware that one of the things I was thinking about, Steve, is, you know, most of us have dealt with a bank where the bank says, I can't meet next week because I got regulators in all week. Right. We've heard that. Right. Yep. And so why does that happen? Like, why, why would regulators come in and, and pay a long visit to a bank? Well, we're a bank, right? Is about your pay your dealer. I mean, we don't have internal audits in the yeah. same way, but, but it's like <clears throat> this whole thing about, we love to be independent, but we have to recognize there we are operating in a space where, regulators, you know, are going to want to see what we do. And so I think um, this whole conversation around underwriting to me was, was interesting. We, we um, grabbed some, some clips from that, but I just think for me, it's like, how do we help dealers um, have that flexibility that they enjoy and still be compliant? You talked about that. You want to share a little bit about how that works? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I've worked with dealers a long time. And, and, you know, that they're entrepreneurs for a reason, uh, that they want that, that independence, they want that flexibility. But at the same time, uh, they also have folks to answer to, well, whether it's regulators mm -hmm. or, or even their own banks or, or, or uh, capital, uh, you know, that they've got to answer to them too. Usually uh, that the capital providers, well, when they enter into a relationship, they want to understand the underwriting policy. They, they, they want to see it in action and they want to verify that it's there. So, so, so yes, there, there's flexibility within that box, uh, but, but you do have to, to stick to, to some objective uh, criteria. And that's what the regulators want to see too. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I know that, you know, you talked about um, the thing that you can queue up the thing about the exception log. If um, okay. I know you talked about the exception log and how people can go about, um, you know, making those exceptions, because mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about the thing. I know Brent um, pressed a little bit about this, this thing about policy, um, policy versus guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. He was kind of looking for a, a softer, soft, something with softer edges you know, than a policy maybe. Uh-huh. And uh, so yeah, th- he was working me pretty we good. Don't have Brent here to yeah. talk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to so, speak for himself. But, but. but I think in the end, we yeah. kind of resolved that certainly for my satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I think it was dealer I, listening. I totally got there. where he was coming yeah, from um, because, you know, this is the beauty that I've seen of buy here, pay here is that it just, he, he mentioned it, it depends. Mm-hmm. And that flexibility of being able to, to make things fit. Yeah. You know, so to move the, things around to make things fit. So let's video. let's talk yeah. about the exception log. Going back to this thing about flexibility, you know, if I'm this buy here, pay here dealer out there in, um, you know, Middletown, Pennsylvania or whatever, I'm trying to figure out how can I, I look at the book and I see my guidelines and it says I'm trying to stick to six months on the job and cert credit profile, but I've got this person here who, you know, maybe is an exception one way or the other. Um, you would recommend that they proceed how based on the, the checklist, so to speak, whether that's in a, on a paper checklist or in a, in a sophisticated software, they've got this guideline that they've right. created this policy. How would you recommend they go about making those exceptions? So I, I think the, the first thing that, that folks need to understand is exception logs are very important that they could really save you if there's any sort of question down the road. And, you know, I, I preach this to, to our clients and it's always easier said than done that they may develop good habits for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but but then inevitably uh, the exception log kind of falls by the wayside. That That's why one of the things that, that I encourage folks to do is, is I love quarterly compliance meetings. Anybody that's heard me speak has, has heard me talk about quarterly compliance meetings. One of the things you talk about in those meetings is, okay, let, let's break out the, the exception log. Are we making exceptions? What's the commonality for those exceptions? Do we need to change our policy because we're calling them exceptions, but apparently this is now part of our policy and we need to change our policy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, So I think um, you can let you comment about that, but I think that that's why we grabbed that clip. Like we think it's important to understand the policy part and, um, and I don't want to forget, and watching the clip, I want to ask you before we wrap up today about your Nolan Ryan picture. <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. Yeah. Jim does that too. Yeah. So I can save mine for later. Okay. Though, yeah. So exception policy. Yeah. Or exception log. So, so yeah, I, I, this is something that I think is critical. And, and quite frankly, I, I think it's something that, that a lot of dealers struggle with. And uh, that there's a lot of tension within organizations about it because, you know, the, the underwriters are busy. Uh, keeping an exception log takes time. They don't always want to do it, but, but it becomes so important. And, and forget about regulators for a second, because most of the, of, of the dealers, you know, you're, you're not going to have the regulators just show up at the doorstep unannounced. Uh, it's a lot more likely that in the next six months to a year, you're, you're going to have a, an audit from your own lender. And, and right. this is going to come up. So, so you want to be able to explain, if you've deviated from your policy, you want to be able to explain why. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's important to take, you know, really good notes. Uh, a, a lot of times I'll see an exception log and it, it, it you know, they write down the, the customer name and, and, and the vehicle, but there's no explanation. And, yeah. and, and you really have to give some, some meat on the bone. Yeah. You know, in, in, in my experience, de- dealers do the right thing 
when, when, when they make exceptions that there's usually a really good reason behind it. Uh-huh. But if it's not written down, if it's not captured, it doesn't exist and you can't defend yourself. Right. I think one of the more interesting parts for me was um, where you talked about this thing of making exceptions based on business practices, because I was kind of um, talking to Michelle yesterday about this idea that, you know, when you're a, when you're a buy your pay your dealer and you create your program and you set up your, your shingle, so to speak on the corner and you say, this is my program. This is the way we do business. And I think the, the most extreme example for me was if I'm a buy here, pay here loan originator, you know, and I decide I only want to finance green cars as some ridiculous example. You know what I mean? It's like from a business practice standpoint, I only want to finance customers. And one of the other things that was interesting for me is, is radius. We touched on that a little bit, Steve, but one of the things I used to have in my own policy, and of course this is evolving as the, as the industry changes, as the internet and digital shopping changes, then these kind of, these things are shifting. But, you know, certainly as a dealer, I felt most comfortable if my customer lived or worked within a certain radius as an example of a business practice. You know, could I make exceptions to that? Sure. But it certainly was a, a comfort level or a, a factor of security for me in, in my lending practices, if you will. So, you know, as you talk about, you basically said you want dealers to have the flexibility to do their own business practices, right? They just need to write it in their policy. Yeah, I, I think it's really important that, that everybody takes into account their own unique particular situation. Uh, and, and I think the policy has to match that. That cringe when uh, de- dealers tell me, you know, I, I got my policy from another dealer or, you know, I, I found a template online. Uh, because at that point, you're not adapting it to your own needs. And, and at the end of the day, it's got to reflect you. Uh, right. It can't reflect anybody else. Yeah. One of the other things that was interesting kind of in this subject about business practices was we spent a little time and and of course I would urge everybody to go watch the full length thing. I think we went around 45 minutes on that full length tote to note thing. And we talked about driver's license as an example, like having an in-state driver's license is another example of business practice. I remember you made the case Mm -hmm. that, you know, people would have a legitimate business case for wanting that. So I I think it's something we see dealers wrestling with. We see the questions out on social media, just like you do. And so I think people are trying to figure out what, what can I do? What is, what is, sometimes it's more a question of business practice. Like what's the smart thing for me to do for the sake of my portfolio. But sometimes it's also wrapped in what is appropriate from a compliance standpoint. So you can probably talk a little bit more about that part. Well, we, you can't talk about underwriting without talking about the, the you know, the risk danger of, of any sort of discrimination claims. Right. You know, you, you have your protected classes of individuals. Uh, you, you, you have uh, the, the regulators are very uh, concerned about any sort of redlining. So, so you have to look at those rules and, and you have to make sure that, that whatever you're doing uh, doesn't violate those rules. Yeah. You know, that, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah, there's a clip I wanted to play. Yeah, about let the record that. show. So the Steve, record we're barely show. 15 minutes in, and now the word discrimination has come up. <laughs> we call it the don't assume you have to get in trouble for something else first, I guess. And then I'll tell you uh, that the CAC lawsuit that the CFPB brought, uh, that the New York AG, uh, Massachusetts has brought similar, that there's been a couple of other states that, that they're getting into underwriting because at the heart of it, uh, they are looking for discrimination. That's the third yeah. time I've heard that word. Yeah. That's yeah. And, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I yes. think you, you, we know that discrimination is part of what, I mean, obviously consistency solves a lot, right? I mean, when we're just super consistent about what we do, that's going to go a long way. And so I think when we get inconsistent, especially when it looks like we're favoring or discounting some group, then that, that tends to look like a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, so, so about five years ago, I had a client and, and, and in their underwriting policy, uh, they had a couple of different locations and, and they put in a mileage radius. And, and, and it was based on their ability to service the accounts and what made them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so it turns out uh, that there was a military base about 10 miles outside of their radius. And, and you know, sure enough, uh, you, you had somebody complain, oh, we think you did that because you're trying to avoid uh, the military angle. Huh. And, and, and a lot of times uh, the, the same question comes up in, in the parts of the country where there's Indian reservations, same type of analysis. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be careful when you set those radiuses and, and you have to make sure that you're articulating uh, why that radius is, is what you've chosen to stick to. You actually brought up something that we've heard when we've gone around and talked to different dealers and, you know, they're, they're talking about who their customer is and there is a military base close by and it's really mixed feelings and for some valid reasons, um, why they're, you know, why they're like, ah, I really don't want to, to have people that are in active military buy a car because there's just a, a, a vast array of things that could go wrong. And so how do you like, in, in a case like that, I don't want to mean to scroll, but in a case like that, how do you mitigate the risks that, that so many dealers are afraid of with, you know, you, you mentioned um, a reservation or what, whatever it is that people are, are, um, they're, they're, they're feeling um, a little bit uneasy about it. And usually it's because they've had bad experiences that they've attributed to this fact. Well, and, and that's an area where compliance comes first uh, mm -hmm. over, over the business concern. You, know, you, you absolutely cannot redline. Uh, you, you cannot discriminate. Uh, you, you cannot say that, that okay, we're not going to do business with, with that particular class group mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, so, so you really have to put that first. And, and then you, you have to build the, the policy around that. And, and, and you have to say, okay, w within those parameters, what are we able to do? You know, I, mm -hmm. I think there's a, when you're talking military, I think there's a big difference between, uh, you know, the, the, the service member that are, is already in the military uh, and therefore isn't, isn't eligible for the 6% reduction. Uh, versus uh, the person that that uh, goes in the military later and wants that six percent reduction, you know, I, I think that is what a lot of dealers are concerned about, and, and a lot of times they're they're misinformed. They think, oh, you're you're in the military, uh, you're at six percent, uh, and and, it, and it's only SCRA only applies to to, to those uh, you know six percent reductions for folks that weren't in and then go in. Right, that's good. Um, uh, you might explain. You used the word redline. What what do you mean by that? Basically, you you pick a whether it's a zip code or neighborhood or whatever, and and it comes from you know the old red pen drawing the line around it, saying we're not going to do business there. You can't do that. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. Um, uh, uh, well, and George um, from Arizona is like it's 
is it legal to not lend to folks that live on a reservation due to the inability to repossess? That, that would be an example of, of where you're going to get in trouble. Because uh, that, that is basically uh, d- d- discriminating against that group. Uh, the whole repossession on, on a reservation, uh, it's a fascinating subject. I have actually been to a reservation and, and uh, you know, literally sat with the tribal council and, and, and talked about uh, repossessions on their uh, lot uh, wow. because I was with a bank. And, and uh, we, we did several and, and got involved in a lawsuit and, and actually to, to settle the case had to go before the tribal council and it all worked out great. Uh, I, I thought they were very reasonable that they wanted us to use a, an operator that, uh, that they approved uh, on their reservation. Uh, but sometimes it does get to that level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. I think, um, you know, when I hear that, I, th- I think it's interesting that when, and by here payer, we're not, we're not banks that are regulated by the FDIC, right? So, so it's like, it's our money. Like if I'm the dealer listening to this, I think this is my money. Why can't I loan it the way that I want to? And and in reality, that's because we're providing a service that is under the watch of these regulatory agencies, not to mention the civil side, (laughs) you know, there's a whole civil side. Can we talk, there's another clip with our last clip. So (laughs) I want to play this because I love these clips. No, thanks. I'm glad. I, we had a lot of fun going through and it's like, oh, that's a good one. Hold on. Here, here it is. I'll, I'll make a general statement. Back when I was doing defense work, uh, I never handled a lawsuit that didn't start out as a complaint. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. And, and the totality of, of my experience is if you give the customer a, a pathway to, to ventilate, uh, then they're going to take that pathway. Talk about what what you mean by a pathway to ventilate. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, a way too artful way of saying it. Uh, so, so if, if you give the customers direction, you know, if you're happy, wonderful. If you're not happy, uh, tell us, you know, and, and, and I, I cringe when I see dealers, you know, uh, complaints at so-and-so.com, you know, it, it should always be feedback. Yeah. Tell good. us how we're doing at, at abcdealer.com. And, and whether it's positive feedback or negative feedback, it's still important feedback. Uh-huh. And, and you I, could learn from the negative. I, I also picked up when you were talking about that, those pathways for um, actually communicating if you've got feedback, that that feedback should be um, someone should be watching for the feedback. Someone should be answering to the feedback and hopefully someone that's not too emotionally attached to, you know, or that can get angry about the feedback. Or that doesn't have to always be right. That doesn't always have other. to be right. I think that's what you know, what yeah. Yeah. Someone doesn't always have to be right. Yeah. That, 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 that is so important because a lot of times in, in, in working with dealers, I'll, I'll be talking to the person that, that has that responsibility and they've never met a complaint that they thought was valid. Right. And, and, and that's just, that's not practical. Of course, there are some that are valid. And, and so you really need somebody that, that's going to objectively look at what happened here and ask the question, could we have done better? Yeah. You, know, you may be completely right, but that, that doesn't mean that your communication was perfect, that that doesn't mean that, that, that you articulated your position perfectly. You know, so, so you have to, in a quest to get better, you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. 
Right. I, I like that. I really like that. I, um, that's one of the things that we, and in, in our personal and our family and business and all of that is that perspective, someone's perspective of how something played out is valid. Let's just stop. I mean, it's like that their experience is valid. We need to, uh, that for me, it's like, okay. And, and recognize that their experience is valid. They may not have all the information. They may not have all of the, but from their perspective, that this is what happened. Yeah. And they, you know, it just, it, that's where the I'll, communication starts. I'll tell you one that I'm seeing a lot these days mm -hmm. in, in the last year, year and a half, uh, service facilities have really slowed down their ability to, to turn cars uh, okay. because of parts shortages and, and things like that. So, so I'm seeing a lot of complaints, uh, BBB complaints, a couple of regulated complaints where, where the, the customers are, are, they're not getting the answers. So, so then they, they take the next level and, and they complain like, you know, they've kept my car a month. Well, that, that complaint could have been avoided with good communication explaining exactly. we, 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 we have ordered your part. Your part is on a two week delay. We'll, we'll let you know as soon as it gets here and then put on your calendar. You know, if, if you haven't communicated in 10 days, shoot an email, shoot a text and just, you know, we're still waiting for it. Right. And, and, you know, it's, what's, what's interesting is um, at least from the, the dealers that we've worked with is for most of our buy here, pay here customers, 10 days is too long even to, yeah, to they, communicate. They need the car every day. Yeah. They need the car every day. So even if it's like, even if it's like a quick touch every day, okay, we're still in the pipeline. I checked to see where the parts are. There has been nothing. I just wanted to check in with you and let you know that it's still, you know, we're still waiting. And, and those kind of quick calls can go so far. I mean, they just, they have so much equity that you build with your customer. If you, have really open, um, frequent communication, especially around something like that. I think, I, I think dealers need to appreciate the fact that the customer is not your adversary. Even if, even if they're complaining, even if, if there, there, there's a tense situation that they're not your adversary, you have to mm -hmm. work together because you, you both have the same goal Yeah, right. to keep them driving. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I see. Like, as you guys were talking about that, I'm thinking about the, the one that makes me nervous is when I see dealers um, respond to reviews in a really argumentative uh, way, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, wow, it's a missed opportunity to kind of diffuse, you know, uh, an unhappy customer situation. And I, I know the tote the note recording, Steve, I referred to the late Bill Maypother, the attorney who mm -hmm. was, I, I prim primarily knew him through bankruptcy teachings, but uh, he said in some course I attended that, you know, we, we should all be as dealers trying to avoid having our customers end up in an attorney's office, right? Yeah. We should try to avoid that. And I think there's so many opportunities. If we're really well yeah. plugged into our customers, we would have every opportunity to have a dialogue with them before yeah. it ever got to that place. And so that's what we're kind of always teaching. And when I heard uh, Mr. Maypother say that years ago, like I was coming from the retail business before I was ever in the car business. So I already sort of brought that attitude to things and from a customer service standpoint, trying to, you know, resolve problems. And most times those are just results of miscommunication. So, you know, if we can prove a communication, like what you're talking about, feedback at the dealership name, mm -hmm. then we'll have a chance to talk to people and try to get those things resolved. Yeah. So, so if I, if I could be so bold, one of the things I really like to see when, when I go on side of the dealership, I love to see a little banner, you know, yeah. uh, tell us how we're doing and, and then sure. give them the email address. D don't bury it 
in, in small print in one of your documents in the closing package. Yeah. Make sure everybody knows, talk to them about it when, when, when you're, you're doing the, you know, the welcome call or, or, or interview, whatever it is, talk to them about that. Yeah. The other thing I used to do in a dealership that I managed that was in a different state, I used to have my phone number posted on the wall right by the payment counter. Like they can always reach directly to the general manager. Here's my number. And so if there's ever a problem, we're just super transparent about that. We're, we're here. Like we're available yeah. to talk from our side. So if there's a problem and, and I, by the way, I got very few calls because we, we were able to train our people to, to dissolve or to resolve problems mm -hmm. at the, at the dealership level. So, you know, that's part of what we would be striving to do. I got to ask you, um, and, and this looks like you're kind of, up the <laughs> white hat. Well, you are you familiar uh, with like what we've been teaching with the white hat way? No. Okay. This is, this is white hat. This is, the, is this is white hat Wednesday, and this is something that we've we've, and it's just been so fun to me. Where I'm listening to conversations that we're not a part of, and then someone says white hat way, and I'm like, yes, um, white hat way is something that is our foundational principles, and this is this is kind of our why is to be able to create. Um, an environment where we can invite dealers into being white hat way dealers, which is um, fairness, consistency, kindness, honesty, compassion, empathy, character, transparency, goodwill, generosity, um, humility. I, and actually, I think it was George Spat is like, that sounds like the Boy Scout. Boy Scout. Yeah. But, I mean, Jim's not a Boy Scout. Yeah, so, yeah. but it's, it's um, when you approach your business through this lens of integrity and transparency and fairness and all of that, that it's as, as we work with different dealers and they say, what should my ex be? We first off is like, how do you want to be known in your community? What, what I, how do you want to be, how do you want to be, um, represent, how do you want to represent yourself? How do you want to be known in your community? Because it's, you know, once you kind of put something through that filter of, which is what, like our, our why, our guiding principle. And actually, for those of you who, who are new to listening to us, White Hat Way is the core to everything we do. Um, to buy Her, Pay Her Nation television, the Institute, Octane, these podcasts, Tote the Note, all of that is about encouraging dealers to um, embrace this kind of philosophy. So if you had a dealer, that, you know, was living those principles that they've, you know, they've, they've may have, they may have a little bit of, um, you know, I haven't written everything down yet exactly as, as I should, but they're living these specific principles of transparency and all those kind of things, um, is, uh, you know, and you have a CPF, C CFPB, C I should have written that one down for her. I'm <laughs> <just gone> bad. <laughs> CFPB. CFPB regulator show up and they walk in and they see, you know, if you have any problems, come and talk to, you know, it's like what we expect from you is make your payment on time. If you can't do that, please please come and talk to us. We, what we expect from you is to keep your insurance active. If you can't do that, let us know because we have other options. If you, you know, what we expect from you is if you uh, are having a problem with your vehicle that you would reach out to us and, you know, let's see and all of these things. And it's like, this is what we expect. And this is what we, you know, what we'll give. If a regulator walked into an office or a dealership that had that kind of transparency, I, does that change the conversation at all? So, so posting it on a wall, no, change the conversation that, that they're going to want to dig into it and they're going to want to make sure, are, are you really doing those things? Okay. You know, you, you call it the white hat, 
uh, at, at Ignite, we call it uh, how to tell your story. Uh, I, I don't like to talk about compliance a lot of times because that puts dealers to sleep. It, it's really how to tell your story. If I've got to defend you, and, and I grew up on this business that defending dealers in, in lawsuits, uh, if I've got to defend you, what story do I have to tell? That right. they're going to demonize you, they're going to say all these bad things about you, and, and then I've got to defend you, what story do I have to tell? So, so putting it on a, on, on a board or, or, or a piece of paper, that's not enough because they're going to want... So you know, they're going to want to understand, do you do complaint management? Do, do you practice what you preach? If you could show them that, yes, then I think it absolutely helps the conversation and softens the conversation. Yeah. I think you kind of answered one of my questions in advance, but you sort of basically said, you know, actions in that scenario are going to speak louder than words. You know, posters on the wall are nice, but if you're not following that practice, mm -hmm. if you don't, if your actions say something different, then that's a problem. I think you answered for me, I was just kind of contemplating in a way if, if, if I'm a dealer and I've got a complaint, it's now escalated into something else and you're having to defend me. Um, then if my intent, you know, across the board shows that we're trying to be an asset in our community, we're, we're making every effort to communicate and take care of our customers. It's bound to help you as an attorney when this can be painted more as a mistake, a single mistake than a, an ongoing practice. practice because if a regulator comes in and finds out it happened yesterday and it happened a week, last week and you know then then that's not looking like a mistake that, that that's exactly right you want to be able to show that that we've got the training in place we, we've we've got the policies we we teach our people the right way and and if we had somebody drop the ball that that is isolated it's not systematic you know i i tell dealers uh, don't fall in love with the idea of, of, you know, the bake sale or buying the little league uniforms or, or, or think that's being a good community servant. Mm -hmm. uh, right. There's a lot more to it than that. You actually have to I mean, be able to show that you do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And that's probably a good place to wrap up. We didn't get it teed up before, but uh, would you just tell our listeners uh, your email address so I know how to find you directly? You can always reach me at steve.levine at IgniteCP or info at IgniteCP. Very good. Excellent. Not feedback. Not, no, not yes. <laughs> <laughs> or that complaints. Was, I'm sorry. The joke was just there. I had to grab it. Um, so, um, so I also want to give a nod to Brent Carmichael, who was yeah. uh, kind enough to to join me as kind of co-moderating the conversation. Yeah. And he had a ton to the conversation, oh, obviously, with his experience. And so, again, that uh, tote the note full recording goes out at noon Eastern today. On so we, YouTube. And yeah. so let me uh, throw this up there so that if you want to be able to find it, um, we will be doing a, a couple of social media posts to lead people to the YouTube channel, Jim Rhodes at the Octane Group. Right. Um, you can also find any of our morning show podcasts and anything else that we have out there. In and just for your information, Steve, that's in a playlist. So once they get there, they can see the other tote the note things, but certainly the, the most recent release of the tote the note is um is this concept of you know compliant underwriting and steve i, I mentioned in the thing and i want to mention again I, I just see you and richard at ignite being so generous with mm -hmm. with knowledge and i also see a genuine caring for success of the buy here pay here dealer yes. and uh, so we we obviously share that and we're glad to have you be part of uh, the morning show today and uh, and we thank you again for your contributions to the tote the note podcast I can't thank you guys enough that this has been a lot of fun. Like I said, it's a first for me. And <laughs> if I make it to Howard Stern, I will certainly say that I got my start right here. There you go. I love it. Yeah. Hey, Steve, would you mind sticking around for just a second for after the show? And uh, we just want to.
to wrap up with you just personally, if that's okay. Great. Um, thanks again, Steve. All right. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, just another, we, you know, we always want to put this up there and it's been interesting. We've had a couple of people. It's like, oh, we finally had a way to reach out to you. <laughs> yeah. um, if you, if there's anything that, that we can help you with, um, please feel free to reach out. You can call or text us at 903-816-0216, or you can also find us at um, the Octane. And that's my group. cell phone. You can also just send me funny memes. Over yeah, he so, loves those, yeah, especially so. if they're about cats right, or children. Right. One yeah. of the two. <laughs> he has yeah. a great time with those um thank you so much for joining us on white hat wednesday um we're really looking forward to uh uh friday with jimmy rambo we're going to be talking about um collateral, collateral recovery, recovery how to rates. calculate it and why yeah. it matters yes exactly all right guys have yourself a great rest of your day and we will see you on friday thank you thanks so much friday.